Hey there, welcome back to the Etsy Seller Podcast. I'm your host, Cody McGuffey. And today we have another fun episode joined by Nathan Hirsch. He's coming to us from a different angle, something we haven't talked about on the show at all. And actually most Etsy conversations do not even have this subject floating around at all. And it's called bookkeeping. It's the finances part of the business. One of the most important pillars for any business, let alone an Etsy business as well. And it's something that, again, no one talks about, and we need to be talking about this thing. Nathan's journey is pretty interesting. He kickstarted his entrepreneurial journey at a young age, hustling, selling secondhand books, textbooks. I mean, fast forward now, he actually owns a bookkeeping business. And Nathan will be sharing more about his amazing journey and how he got started and how he manages his current businesses. This episode just packed value, tips, information about how you can actually, you as an Etsy seller can make better decisions in your business in terms of bookkeeping and just business finances in general. It's a very important aspect of any business. Actually, it's one of the most important things. As always, this podcast is brought to you by Everbee, and we believe that everyone deserves the opportunity to pursue their passions and live life on their own terms. We believe that we need to be making an impact to our families and our communities, and we can do that through e-commerce. Everbee is the Etsy business tool that helps Etsy sellers find winning products, get more sales, and grow their business. And with Everbee, you quickly understand what people are searching for on Etsy, what they're buying on Etsy, so you can actually just go and make the things that they actually want to buy. And if you're ever wondering where your listings are actually showing up in Etsy search results, our rank tracker will show you just that. It'll show you what keywords you're ranking for and where you're actually ranking for them. And when you have that dreaded, I guess, thought about the Etsy suspension due to some accidental trademark infringement, we have trademark monitor for just that. Everybody will scan all of your listings automatically for you every single month to make sure that your understanding of any potential issues with your listings in regards to trademarks. It's a tool you guys need to be using for your business. Sign up for free, everybody.com. IO and let's jump into today's show. Nathan, what's up, man? Hey, Cody. I am great. How are you? I'm great, man. Thanks for coming on. Seriously, appreciate it. Um, we we have a lot to talk about, but I, this is our second time meeting for anybody listening. And how do we get here? We I was reaching out to a couple friends that are Etsy sellers and I was like, Hey, do you happen to know anybody, any CPAs, any like entity type of people to talk about like LLCs? And then also, do you happen to know anybody in the bookkeeping world, you know, that also knows e-commerce and like Etsy and all this good stuff? Um, got a lot of suggestions for sure, but your name came up a couple times when it came to like bookkeeping and just overall just entrepreneurship. So happy to have you here, man. Yeah, excited to be here. Always happy to help. As I, as I kind of told you, I'm not a CPA. I'm not a bookkeeper, um, but I do own two monthly bookkeeping services, and I'd, I've definitely gone through a lot with just business financials. So uh, happy to share with, with people everything that, that I've kind of learned throughout the years. I think that's so golden. Yeah, and we don't need to like get too, too in the weeds because there's so much like financial advice and like all that stuff. We can kind of stay away from like the deep, deep stuff, but like we can talk about like the high level of like what is bookkeeping, why it's important. Because you, you said two bookkeeping services? Yeah, so we have Econ Balance, which is relevant most likely to, to this audience. Um, and then I own Accounts Balance, and that's more in like the agency, uh, services, just non-Econ online business space. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. I didn't know that. Um, okay, so you're like in the financial world, like meaning like the numbers game. Like, yeah, it's, this is perfect. Um, this will be really valuable for like our sellers that are 
new, but also growing sellers too, like that are like have been successful because a lot of sellers that I know that are like, whether they're just starting out or they have hundreds, 200, $300,000 in revenue or even more, um, they really, they still struggle with the financial piece, the bookkeeping piece. So maybe let's start first. Like, let's talk about your background and like, how did you even get here? Yeah. So I, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur growing up. My parents always made me buy anything that I wanted from video games to eventually a car. Um, I always had summer jobs. I was working just around school and I uh, had to save up money and kind of learn to be financially sound. So I, I also got a glimpse of what life was like after college, getting a real job, having a boss. And I really wanted no part of that. So when I got to college, I started hustling, buying and selling uh, people's textbooks competing with my school bookstore that was oh, in nice. my opinion ripping people off and uh, I created a little affiliate program I had lines out the door of people selling me their books uh, to the point where I got a cease and desist letter from my college telling me to knock it off and, and stop competing with them so that was my first glimpse into being an entrepreneur and wow. I didn't want to get kicked out of school I had this Amazon account that this was 2008, 2009, and I was selling these books on Amazon and Amazon was just getting into other stuff. And I started experimenting with different products that weren't textbooks. And I, through a lot of trial and error, I came across baby products, which is obviously a huge market, high margins, yeah. um, easy to ship, easy to return. And a lot of the manufacturers in the space had no idea what e-commerce was. So it was kind of good timing. And I built a lot of relationships with different manufacturers. Uh, they would ship products to my customers. Uh, I would, they'd keep my credit card on file. Uh, I would mark it up and, and handle the Amazon side. Years later, I found out it was called drop shipping, but I was definitely one of the, the early adopters there. And before I knew it, I was running this large Amazon business out of my college frat house, just having no idea what I was doing as a 20 year old entrepreneur. I had to hire people. I hired this kid for my business law class and I got super lucky. He's been my business partner for 15 no years now. Uh, Connor Gillivan, you should check him out on LinkedIn. He posts a lot of content about SEO and marketing. That's awesome. Uh, he's good. He's good at that. Um, but yeah, then I just made a lot of bad hires. College kids, super unreliable. Uh, that got me into the virtual assistant game. A buddy of mine introduced me to my first VA and built up this VA army to grow this Amazon business. Real quick there, actually. What yeah, is VA yeah, for the people that have never heard of that? I mean, we use VAs, like use VAs in my various businesses, but like, what is a VA? So for anybody listening, never heard of that before. Yeah, virtual assistant uh, from the, we hire a lot from the Philippines. Uh, you can hire them from all over the world. But again, at the time, there was very little e-commerce software that exists today. So everything was manual from changing prices to adjusting inventory, customer service, like, all of it was done. So we needed a lot of VAs and e-commerce is 24 seven. So we had people working around the clock to, to grow this business. That's awesome. And then you provide us this super cool opportunity for like a, a VA, somebody in another country, and they can basically get exposure to like an e-commerce game too. And obviously you pay them like a, a super fair rate too. And it's just super valuable because usually you get a, you get advantage, you get to take advantage of this like cost difference, right? Cause it's super uh, affordable for you, but it's actually super fair and actually more than fair for them. That's kind of the beautiful thing about using VAs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, so we had all these VAs and Amazon's becoming more competitive and we, we start to network with other Amazon sellers, which wasn't a real thing in the first year or two that we were running the business. No one really knew what an Amazon seller was. And all of a sudden there's conferences and courses and gurus and all that kind of stuff. So 
we started offering these VAs to these e-commerce sellers who were struggling to hire just like we were early in the in the business. And that kind of gave us the idea to build FreeUp, a competitor for Upwork and Fiverr uh, focused on pre-vetted e-commerce VAs. It, it later expanded to like marketing and other VAs outside of that. But that was fun for us. It was our first B2B. We got to learn like building a website and SEO and partnerships and podcasts and, and all this stuff there. And meanwhile, Amazon's getting more competitive. So we ended up shutting down the Amazon business, focusing on FreeUp. Uh, we scaled FreeUp to doing about $12 million a, a year uh, by year four. We were acquired in 2019, which is a whole nother story we can talk about uh, <laughs> if you want. And uh, we were able to take $500,000 from the sale, give it to our team in the Philippines, uh, change their life a little bit and, and make sure their jobs are secure, which is awesome. And uh, yeah, since then, awesome. uh, we launched Outsource School, which teaches people our unique hiring process for hiring uh, rockstar VAs. And more recently, these two monthly bookkeeping businesses, uh, probably the best decision we ever made with FreeUp was hiring a bookkeeper uh, from day one and just having immaculate financials to pass due diligence, but more importantly, to make good decisions uh, every single month based on what the numbers were telling us, which we definitely didn't do uh, in our e-commerce business because we were do. young and, and didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> Absolutely, man. And I guess that's the goal of this kind of maybe this talk is maybe to get people to kind of a little bit of the exposure of of some, some things they could be thinking about now, you know, as they're growing their business. You don't have to necessarily implement everything that we talk about today, but it's more so just be aware of like some of the fundamentals, right, that, that, that are the kind of the core of our business, which is the financials. Um, but to summarize all that, so that's a perfect explanation. And thank you for kind of like hammering through your professional career, basically, in a matter of like 30 seconds. Um, <laughs> but what I've heard this high level is you... You're a, a, a young entrepreneur that is just super hungry for success. You start this Amazon thing, you start making that work, then you move into um, what was it? What was the next thing after Amazon? It was uh, free up, free up, right? So you you learn this skill during your Amazon thing about like hiring contractors and VAs, and then you kind of move that into the next thing, which is free up, which is basically a software marketplace. And then so you pivoted there, and then you again went into bookkeeping worlds from there. And now you own two bookkeeping businesses. And it's like, it seems like you, you find an opportunity and then basically you move quickly and like learn as much you can and then capitalize on the opportunity. Does that describe you? It seems like it. That's how yeah. I mean, I, I never want to create the next Uber. I, I like to find very boring businesses that apply to a really big market and, and put my own spin on it with great support, great customer service, and um, take my small percentage of the market and build a hopeful, successful business at it. And I mean, the other thing I'd add is I'm a big fan of just minimum viable product. Like, try things. If it put a small, small amount of money into them, if it works, double down. If it doesn't move on to something else. And like with the Amazon business, I, I tried textbooks, pretty easy to get into. Mm -hmm. um, with the Amazon drop shipping, if, if I got some bad reviews, I would have tried something different. Uh, with FreeUp, we gave a bunch of people some free hours of VAs and asked for feedback. And if they hated it, we would have moved on to something else. Uh, with Outsource School, we, we did a big promotion. And if people didn't like the course, we would have just refunded them and moved on to something else. And with bookkeeping, we gave all these people uh, two free months of bookkeeping to help us break everything and give us feedback. And um, again, if, if people hated it or didn't keep stay on with us, sure. we'll just move on to something else. So you just go, man. You, you just take action. Thing. Like you take a yeah. ton of action, right? And then you learn from the market and then you listen to the market and you basically move from there. Um, the market tells you what to do. I think that's like people get caught up on this. Maybe we could spend a second on this is like people always want to like invent the next thing, Uber, maybe what it is, or maybe same thing for our Etsy sellers. Like they want to be able to create something that the market's never seen before and then bring it to the market and then hopefully get a bunch of success because that's what we have like 
we believe as a, as a society, I think, is that we have to create something and, from from nothing in order to be successful. And it's just not true, right? Your businesses, all of your past businesses, all were things that already existed in the market. There was already data telling you that people are actually out there looking for these things, books, right? And then bookkeeping and then VAs. And you just position, positioned it in a better way, the way that you think it should be positioned. And then you obviously improved it, you know, in, in your ways too, of course, but you didn't like start from nothing. And that aligns so well with what Everby kind of core beliefs too is our, our first core product is like our product research, meaning we show people what is already, people are already buying on Etsy. And so they can basically take that data and then go make their version of that product. And like, so we're always trying to talk about this thing of, Stop trying to create this brand new design that's never been heard of or seen of before. Just listen to the market. You're serving the customers. You're serving the market, not serving yourself. Um, so it just aligns, man. Your, your story is super, super cool. So I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, I mean, building a, a brand new market is hard for, for every Uber that exists. There's a lot of people that thought customers wanted something and they really didn't. And uh, it's a lot easier to find something that you already know people want and do your own variation or spin on it. Absolutely, man. Totally agree with that. Um, amazing. Let's talk about, let's kind of move into like the, the Etsy, the bookkeeping, the econ balance. Like, first of all, like what is bookkeeping? And for the, someone that's never, like this is their first entrepreneurial journey. Like, let's just keep it high level for just a second. Like what is bookkeeping? Yeah. So if you think of like accounting as the big bubble that, that everything's in, it's really broken down into three parts and you need at least two of them. So the first part is a CPA, a tax person. They're there to help you with formations for getting employees, for um, what kind of, of should you be like cash basis or accrual for filing your taxes, for tax strategy. These are things you don't really need to like master, but you do need a really good CPA who can lead you in the right direction. And as your business grows and changes, you might need to make adjustments to um, the formation of your business, how you file taxes, stuff like that. So that's your CPA. You need a tax person. If anyone wants an intro to mine, shoot me an email, Nathan at ecombalance.com or connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, we don't do tax, but I have a good CPA that I personally used for 15 years that helped me sell a company and helped me when I was brand new in, in e-commerce. So um, that's one part of it. You gotta have it, obviously pay your taxes, um, all that. So then you've got your, your bookkeeper. So monthly bookkeeping. The, the Bookkeeping has a lot of benefits. The, if you ever wanna sell your company, you need clean books. If you ever wanna get investment or funding, you need clean books. Um, but most people don't get investment funding. Most people don't sell their company. The real reason to have good bookkeeping is to be able to make good decisions every single month based on what the numbers are actually telling you. You don't want to make decisions based off gut. You don't want to make decisions based on money you see going into your bank account. You want to make decisions based on what the actual numbers are telling you of how your business is doing. And remember, your business could be different parts. You might have different products, different marketplaces you sell on. You want to look at trends. Are your margins going up and down? So that's what bookkeeping is. And it also is going to make tax season a lot less stressful because instead of at the end of the year dumping it on your accountant or always being behind, you're doing your books every single month and the month ends and you've got from January to April to make sure everything is good for uh, your, your CPA. So that's another benefit there. And and then you've got the third piece, which probably doesn't apply to the people here, uh, but that's that CFO. And it could be uh, chief financial officer, 
full-time, part-time, outsource, fractional. They're there to help take the monthly numbers and help you make decisions. It could be forecasting sales, forecasting cash flow, so you don't run out of cash, um, helping you actually make decisions inside of your company. Um, to be honest, I've never had a CFO. Usually if you get over like $10 million a year or something, it, it, it becomes a lot more helpful. Over 2025, it's completely necessary, um, but most of that doesn't apply. But you at least need a CPA, you at least need a bookkeeper, and I mean, with my Amazon business, I tried doing bookkeeping myself. That was a big mistake. Never do bookkeeping yourself. It's a terrible use of your time and you're probably gonna do it all wrong and just have to pay someone to clean it up anyway. Um, then I tried hiring like college kids to do it. That was a mess. And then I tried dumping on my CPA at the end of the year. That just led to a lot of stress and also didn't let me make good decisions every month. Then I tried doing it quarterly and, and to save money, but again, couldn't make good decisions every month mm -hmm. and then realized monthly books is a way to go. And with free up, we just hired a bookkeeper from day one. So if you're thinking of starting a business, like a, a CPA and a bookkeeper are just things, they're just necessary business expenses that you have to have. And you, obviously you're going to have to pay taxes or you're going to need a CPA. Uh, but from a bookkeeping side, like you're, you're not going to go out of business because of your bookkeeping expense, especially if you're small, if you're new, we're talking hundreds of dollars, like ours starts at $2.99 a month, but I'm sure there's cheaper ones out there, but you will go out of business if you can't make good decisions based on what the numbers are telling you, or yeah. you don't know the finances of your business. So that's kind of my, my overall breakdown of mentality yeah, that's, on, on account. That's, that's really awesome. And the cool thing about like being, having a CPA is they don't really cost you anything, right? Like most CPAs, they don't charge you until you file taxes, first of all. Like right. they just, they'll kind of give you like advice and stuff. Um, I mean, sometimes they charge depending on which ones, but most of the time, like they want your business when you file. So therefore it's like, you should just have a relationship with the CPA for sure. Um, and they can kind of guide you in the right direction of, of the questions that come up occasionally is like, Hey, should I be a sole proprietor? Right. Just have my Etsy business or my, my, my e-com business under my own name, or should I structure an LLC or should do I, should I do a C corp? Should I do an S corp? Should, should I be an LLC tax as an S corp or a C corp? And like, there's all these different types of options right that cause a lot of confusion and unless you've really dug deep and nerded out on all these books right on all these things which i did originally because i didn't really think about asking the right people um you won't really know you don't you know you'll make just kind of some poor decisions but there are some rules of thumb and i, I guess my, my you already kind of mentioned this that you suggest anybody starting an e-commerce business from the beginning or any business in general but let's just talk about e-commerce for example they should have a bookkeeper from day one, or do you think it's like as soon as they get sales, they can start investing in it? What are you? What are your thoughts? As soon as you in your mind that you're starting a business, you need to hire a bookkeeper. Uh, I mean, if you want to wait till you get sales, maybe. But I mean, most entrepreneurs they, they go kind of through the same thing. They're like, all right, I'm just I'm just going to completely ignore my books, um, which is just going to to backfire on you down the line, and eventually it's going to catch up to you and clean up catch up work is going to be um, way more than if you just get it done right from day one. And then they try to just do it themselves, which pulls them away from what they really should be doing in their business. And that's the killer. I mean, where you spend your time the first year of a company is the most important thing uh, of being an entrepreneur so or of starting a new company. So if you're spending 10 hours a month doing bookkeeping, it might not seem like a lot, but that's 10 hours a month you could be making strategic decisions or doing marketing or launching new products. And that adds up really quickly. And you're probably doing it wrong and we'll just have to pay someone to it's clean so true, it up, man. which is going to waste both your time and money. So That's for so me, true. it's like, day one. Like if you're starting a business, factor that in. 
Yeah, and, and you're basically giving advice to like Nathan when he was first starting his first business. Like Nathan should have done this with his, with his first business probably, right? And this is Cody's advice to Cody, yeah. you know, first Cody's business too. And is, the reason is because it costs so much like things you couldn't really measure. It costs a lot of like stress, um, like bookkeeping and like QuickBook. Like, okay, so we, most mostly everybody listening to this, if they're doing their own books, they're either don't, they're not doing it at all. just completely ignoring what books are. Um, or two, they're, they've kind of like addressed it, like using QuickBooks and they've kind of like started doing the categorization themselves. And the reality is, is like, it's pretty complex if you don't know what the heck you're doing. And like, even for me, like I've, I look at books often and even for me, like looking at like different ledgers and all this stuff, like to me, it's, it's confusing for me. Um, because I don't spend my time there. I don't think about it. I only think about it like once every month and it's just not enough time to actually get good at anything. And every time I do look at it, if I'm trying to categorize myself, which I did in the past, it pulls me away from the actual important decisions, you know, that move the business forward. Bookkeeping does not move the business specifically. Like me focusing on bookkeeping does not move the business forward. Actually, it just sucks my time. Would you, you yeah. agree with that? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, there are courses out there on how to do bookkeeping. Like that's a terrible use of your time. Like as an entrepreneur, learn how to read the income statement, the balance sheet and the cash flow. And that's it. You never have to even log into QuickBooks. You don't have to learn how to reconcile an account. Um, you don't need to know like QuickBooks rules or automation rules. Like that is a terrible use of your time as an entrepreneur. And even if you were a bookkeeper in another life or a CPA before, I would still argue that you shouldn't be doing your own books. Focus on the entrepreneur stuff. Like that stuff is hard enough. And most entrepreneurs are only good at one, two, maybe three things and everything else you, you got to delegate and you got to take off your plate and bookkeeping isn't something to ignore. What do you, would you say to somebody that's like bootstrapped bootstrap, meaning like for anybody that's listening to this is bootstrap, meaning like they're, they don't have like capital. They don't have investment capital. They haven't taken a loan. Like they're starting this business, their business with probably a few hundred dollars, maybe a few thousand dollars in their bank account. And they're just like, I'm going to go after this thing. Um, so your advice to them right now is to basically be like, Hey, you should probably hire a bookkeeper. Um, what about the person that doesn't necessarily have that capital? Like map, map out like a roadmap for them is when they should really, really get one though. <laughs> I know we're kind of going around it. Like to me, if you're starting a business and you're putting together money to start that business, that money should include money for a bookkeeper. It's Perfect. just a necessary business expense. I'm hitting it from like, three different angles. I've asked you three different times and you've answered right. the same time, every, same thing every time, which is great. And I'm not that familiar with uh, Etsy fees, just being honest personally, because I've never sold an Etsy, but like Amazon, you have to pay a monthly fee every single month. If you're going to open up an Amazon account, you got to pay the monthly fee. So it's just like, there's no way around it. It's just a necessary business expense. Just like paying your taxes has to get done every year. If you're filing for your state, you're going to have to pay biz filings or whatever company you use to file. And, and some states have an annual report. Like Colorado has an annual report. I got to pay a hundred bucks every single year. There's no way around it. It's just one of those necessary business expenses that you just have to factor in from the beginning yeah so i think um uh, my, my last two companies i've i've had a bookkeeper as well um but the previous whatever one if you want to call them companies right different different types of projects or companies in the past i did not and every single time it was messy it was ugly i used quickbooks i was in there myself always always screwing it up every time uh i, I literally like it caused more stress than it than it then the money was worth, right? The, the couple hundred bucks or, it, that I would have spent on bookkeeping a month um, for the clarity of where the business is, where my cash is being used, it, it, it would be worth it every time to go back and do, use a bookkeeper. I agree. 
Yeah, and it doesn't like go away. Like you're just gonna have to pay for it later anyway. There's no like you're not saving money by pushing it off. You're just hurting your your business. You know. Yeah, because every time, like every single time, when it came time for tax time, at the end of the year, let's say I didn't have bookkeeper, which in the past, when it came time for tax time, my my CPA would say, hey, like we need to look at your books and we need to do all this cleanup in your books. And then I'm like, okay, great, let's just do it. And they're like, okay, cool. We charge X amount of per hour, fifty dollars an hour. It's forty dollars an hour to do that. And I'm just like, either way, I'm paying for this, you know, like this bookkeeping. I, now I just made poor decisions with, with, because I didn't have any of the data. Right. hundred percent. And CPAs are going to charge cost a lot more than bookkeepers if you have them do the books. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. Okay. So now someone starts a business, they have some sales. Um, they, they use, they find a bookkeeper for themselves, you know, a VA maybe, to, or you know, actual freelance bookkeeper, or they use somebody like e Econ Balance. What what should they the cadence be for meeting with this bookkeeper, talking with this bookkeeper? Like, talk to us about that because this was actually really confusing for me. Actually, I didn't even know about this information when I first started my first companies. What do you suggest in this case? Yeah, so there's even a step before that. You want to have the okay. right setup for your business. So first of all, there's two bookkeeping softwares that you should consider: either QuickBooks Online or Zero. Don't use QuickBooks Desktop. We live in 2023. Unless you have Thank someone you. going to your office um, doing your books, that doesn't make sense. There are other bookkeeping tools out there. There's cheaper ones. There's free ones. They are cheap or free for a reason. You're going to outgrow them. They're not going to have the functionality, and you're going to struggle to have a bookkeeper that actually knows them. I have a client that was using Zoho Books and his bookkeeper quit on him and he spent the last few months trying to find any bookkeeper around the same price that uses that same bookkeeping software so it's gonna be a pain in the butt just use quickbooks online or use zero and be very careful of the benches.com of the world that use the software that only they use because you're stuck with them if they increase their price if you don't like their service no one else uses their software and then down the line if you want to switch bookkeepers either you're gonna have your books in two different places or you're gonna have to pay someone a good amount of money to move all your data from one software to another so use quickbooks online or zero if you're an e-commerce seller, which everyone listening here is, I'm assuming, um, you need a connecting tool. We use A2X. Um, it's included in our pricing. If you hire a bookkeeper, they may or may not include it. There's other one like Connect My Books, Link My Books. Um, but the it's a pain to connect marketplaces directly to QuickBooks. Um, you need to pull in different fees that they all have and, and make sure that the settlements, the money going to your account actually reconciles. So um, there's a connecting tool in there. Uh, just talk to your bookkeeper, make sure they're using a connecting tool. Be very skeptical of a bookkeeper that, that's not doing that. They might not understand uh, e-commerce. Then you wanna have business bank accounts, business credit cards. And overall, simpler is the better. I had a client that um, had 28 bank accounts that signed up and um, it, it's way more work. It's gonna cost you more money. It's going to be a pain. Like there's profit first, which is a mentality to have a lot of bank accounts and like move money around um, to prepare for taxes. I personally don't believe in that. I think that's crazy. Like the simpler, what do you do? the better. Walk us through that actual simple, better. Like what is that structure? Like let's real quick, cause I think actually that's actually a good, good question that I didn't, haven't thought about. Um, but it comes up a lot where it's like people are like they run their business out of their personal account, you know, and then I obviously we, we need we need to have a business bank account. Can we talk about that for a quick, a quick second? Like what's the ideal setup from bank account standpoint? From yeah, personal to so, business? so you never want to intermingle personal and business. Um, you'll get in a lot of trouble when it comes to taxes. The biggest thing is liability. Um, pretty much like the purpose of having an LLC is to protect you if anything goes wrong. And I'm not a lawyer, so this is not legal advice, but sure. from the best of my information, um, if you have an LLC, 
that the purpose is to protect you. But if you're intermingling personal and business, the LLC doesn't matter. You're essentially combining it. So you are the LLC. And if one of your products backfires on something, if you get sued, they're going after you personally. And the only way you protect yourself is by separating personal business. And then third, it's just a pain in the butt for your bookkeepers. Your bookkeepers are going to charge you a lot more uh, if they have to go through your groceries and remove them from the books every single month. So um, like we'll have clients who will say, hey, I have this personal card that I, I put some business stuff on. Can we add it to the books? And we say, sorry, you can't add it to the books. You can't intermingle it. You can send us a list of business transactions every month and we'll add them to the books, but that's a pain for the client. They don't want to do that. Just like we don't want to do that. So keep them completely, completely separate, open up a business checking account, maybe a business savings account. If you have a lot of cash, although saving rates are pretty low. So there's almost no point in doing that. Um, and then maybe one or two credit cards, depending on what you're using them for. And in the perfect world, you're, you have a reason for having two credit cards. Like we've got e-commerce sellers that all inventory purchases go on one credit card, all other expenses go on the other, and it just keeps everything nice and clean, makes it easier for the bookkeepers um, and cheaper overall. So that's the ideal setup. And that's perfect. You, legally, you can, um, you can have like a personal checking account that is only for your business it will open up liability. And more importantly, you're not gonna be able to give you only access to your bookkeeper. So you're gonna have to download statements every month and give them to your bookkeeper, which again, is gonna cost you more, more time for the bookkeeper, a waste of your time. Make sure you use a business checking account, business credit card that allows view only access. You can give your bookkeeper view only access. Yeah, I think that's great, man. This is perfect because this is something nobody really talks about and it's so necessary. It's such a fundamental thing, um, actually. And we just kind of skip over it. Like as you've you've started multiple companies, I have two, where it's like, we just skip over it because it's common sense now. But the people that actually, this is their first or second time go at this thing, like they haven't actually learned this. So yeah, I totally agree with you. Like just separate it from the beginning. If you're going to think about starting a business, just like separate account, business account, uh, open it up. It's, it's usually free. It's very, very cheap if anything. And then make sure your credit cards are not your personal credit cards, buying business stuff. Like get, if you want a credit card, buy, get, get a business credit card and only use it for business. And I personally have always like opened up either two business accounts, two checking accounts or one business checking and one savings. And personally, if we're, if we're profitable, then I usually just stick away a certain percentage every month into my business savings account. Just to like have it almost like extra cash reserves for that tax season if I know we're gonna have a tax bill. Um, what do you suggest on that part? Yeah, it, it's funny because like per, the whole thing of profit first is really for people that struggle to like hold on to money to pay their taxes. Sure. Um, I'm a pretty frugal person, so I've never really had that problem. But anything where you're just saving money in general and not spending everything and being very aware of how much cash you have is good. Um, that's not something that I necessarily like teach or preach like my certain method for it. But I mean, what you said works like put cash away, always have a cash reserve, have a rainy day fund, like all the stuff you would do in your personal life. Hopefully you should also do with your business. Yeah. I think that's, that's golden. I, I think where that came from for me is like, uh, I've had like situations I know per, personally, I know people that have crushed it in business or crushed it in their job or whatever it is. And they've made a bunch of money, but they didn't, they didn't, like allocate any capital. They just spent, you know, the, their their tax dollars actually they were gonna owe at the end of the year. And pretty soon they made all this money, but they didn't actually have any cash to actually pay their tax bill. And so then they got behind in their taxes and the IRS came after them. So I have this whole like story in my head. I'm just like, oh, I'll never be in that situation because I'll always be responsible by doing these things. And so I, like that's my that's my personal decision. But the point is I think we're making the same point for sure is just plan. 
Right. And it's a pretty easy conversation with your CPA. Hey, we think we're going to make between this much and this much next year. Give me some kind of ballpark that I should store away for taxes. And they'll probably give you a ballpark and you can even add to that to overestimate like I like to do and everything. And that's pretty, pretty straightforward. I love it. Okay. So now we got the tax structure, or I mean, I'm sorry, we got the, like the structure set up in place with bank, bank accounts. We also have kind of a stack of like QuickBooks, let's say for now, and we're using QuickBooks. Now what? Yeah. I mean, when you're, then you're interviewing e-commerce bookkeepers, you want someone that knows e-commerce that's worked with the marketplaces that works with the connecting tool. Um, and that's going to be on time every single month. The, the way it should work is they charge you around the first of the month. You get your books by the 10th to the 15th of the month, maybe earlier, depending on your bank accounts, um, kind of depends on that. Um, and then you should have a meeting on your calendar every single month. If you want my meeting ad- agenda, uh, go to econbalance.com slash agenda. It's the same meeting that Connor and I have had every month for the past six plus years, you're, you're going through your income statement, your balance sheet, your cash flow statement. You're going line by line. You're looking at trends. You're comparing this month to last month, this month to the same month last year. Are my margins going up? Are my payroll going up? Um, like what, what's happening in the business? And that's the meeting that you make decisions on. If you're going to decide if you can hire someone, you don't just make it randomly. You make it at the finance meeting after looking at the numbers. So that's what the structure should be on repeat every single month. Um, get your books, have a monthly finance meeting, make decisions, go back to running your business. I love that. It's our, it's our similar cadence too. Like we have monthly meetings with our bookkeepers and it's funny. I didn't, I didn't do this for so many years. Um, I actually didn't really know it was people did it this way. <laughs> so it's now looking back and I'm like, this is silly. I, I should have done this, doing this all along, but I didn't have monthly meetings with my bookkeeper. And, um, now that we do, it just, it makes it clean. It makes it easy. Sometimes we cancel. Some, most of the time we don't though, but like at least it's there on the, on the calendar for us to talk about the books, look at the PL, look at the, look at all those documents and actually make good decisions from that. Um, on that topic, actually, for those listening right now, they don't really know those, those terms that you mentioned, right? So what are the three statements they should be looking at, at least be aware of every single month? Yeah. So without making this podcast super boring, there's income statement, balance sheet, and cash flow statement. Go, there's a million YouTube videos. Go find a three minute one. Um, The income statement is going to show how much you're making or losing every single month, also known as a profit and loss statement. It's going to show you all your expenses and a line item, your different revenue streams. That's the one most entrepreneurs are familiar with. And it's pretty easy to understand. Are you making money? Are you losing money? What are you spending money on? Um, and then your balance sheet is your, your assets for your, versus your liabilities. Um, if you're buying a lot of inventory, your inventory is going to show up there. If you take out any loans, that's going to show up there. It's really the, the health of your business. How healthy is your business? Um, and you might have different debt. So if it's a long-term debt, like a or short-term debt, like a credit card or long-term debt, um, like a loan. So you want to really make sure your business is healthy. And then lastly is your cash flow statement. There's lots of e-commerce sellers that, go out of business, not because they're unprofitable, but because they just run out of cash, especially if you are um, if you have certain payment plans with your clients that might not apply for Etsy. Um, some of you might be getting into wholesale or stuff like that. Um, if, if it's strictly like anytime you, you get a payment, you get the cash right away, your cash flow is going to be very similar, if not the same uh, with your P&L. But as you get bigger, uh, that might change. But those are the, the three reports that you should be reading every single month. And there's two ways to, to get good at it. There, You can watch some videos, which is great, but you should also look at your own every single month and ask questions. And that's how you're really going to master it. And 
these, this is a good business and life skill to have uh, with your own company if you're ever going to invest or buy a company in the future. And if you're ever going to uh, invest in the stock market or have a 401k, like all the companies every um, every quarter, they're p- putting out uh, their, their P&Ls, uh, their income statement, their balance sheet, their cash flow. And you can go online and find Disney's balance sheet and take a look at that and you'll probably learn something from it. So it's a good life skill to have. I totally agree. And I actually remember in the past understanding like, hey, you should look at your PL and all this stuff um, when I was early on in my career. And when I, whenever I did it in QuickBooks, it was my books were never clean. So therefore it had no value. Like looking at this thing, I'm just like, oh, this thing's not even this thing's not even accurate. So there's no point in even looking at this thing. And so then that it just delayed me looking at it because it was inaccurate. And then it just delayed the whole entire bookkeeping, the whole financial process. So the point is get your books, get a bookkeeper set up, have it streamlined, have this thing automated on, on that end. And then you could actually look at these documents, look at the PL and actually understand, okay, like this is super valuable now because it's accurate. Uh, can we talk about cash reserves for a second? Um, sure. Like, I think you mentioned like people run out of business because not because they're not profitable, but because they don't, they're not managing their cash allocation properly. What's like a good rule of thumb for like a new business to have? Like how much cash should they have in the bank account? <laughs> um, I mean, if you like personally, you always want to have six months of reserve and a business is probably something similar that might be unrealistic if you're just getting started. We, we live in a fun time. I mean, you can start businesses with a very small amount of money. Almost every company I've started has been with $5,000 or less. Now, that doesn't give you like years of leeway. You got to focus on sales early on and, and build up on that. But like you don't need a hundred thousand dollars. Like I, I remember one of the issues I had with one of the entrepreneur communities I was in is everyone wanted like $500,000 and then they'll go build something. Then they'll go get sales. But it like my mentality is like, go prove the process with a small amount of money. And if you can prove the process and get sales or people want your product, everything else will figure itself out. You'll be able to get loan, get funding, get investments, raise the cash, make good decisions on it. But you don't want to put a ton of money into something, um, just to to not really know uh, what's going to happen. So because money, yeah. because money's not the problem. Money's not even money's not the problem. It's like the the sales are the problem. Like you don't have any sales at that point. So like throwing five five hundred thousand dollars at something isn't going to solve anything. Actually, it's just going to get you to build the product. But go and like get validation uh, first, right? Um, I agree with you totally, man. For, for our Etsy sellers too, like Etsy is a super cool marketplace where you could actually start a business literally with like. $100 in your bank account, right? Because it's a 20 cent listing fee. It's a 6% referral fee on commission on the sale. Uh, it's a 2.9% processing fee. Like it's, it's like almost no starting point. Like fi- Amazon, you requires like $5,000 up front to buy the inventory and do all that thing. Whereas Etsy, you can get started literally today and get a sale today with like less than a hundred bucks. Right. Um, exactly. But you mentioned like six months cash reserves. I mean, that's the goal to get to in general. Like once you start actually humming and hawing with your business, you want to keep months of reserves and it doesn't necessarily have to be six months. You just, in business, things tend to happen. You never really know what it's going to be, but usually money is going to be required to solve it. Like trying to think of a, a good example, like you're, your website might get hacked. You might have a project that comes up. Um, You might have someone quit on you and you need to hire a contractor short term. Um, I don't know, like anything could could happen at any given time. So you got to have something available. You don't want to be, just like you don't want to live paycheck to paycheck in in your personal life, you don't want to be doing that with your business either. 
So first of all, like maybe we'll start at the real quick. This is where, what does cash reserves even mean? Um, like, because this is a term, again, we're talking to like somebody that's kind of new to the business business game right now. Cash reserves is cash, liquid cash inside of your business bank account. That's literally what cash reserves is. And when you say six months cash reserves, what Nathan's saying here is that whatever your average monthly expenses is inside of your business, like let's say you spend on average $500 a month on subscriptions, QuickBooks being one of them, and then like Creative Fabrica being another one, then Everbee being another one, and then like some other ones being another one. And the point is it adds up to $500. 500 times six, right, Nathan? Is this kind of where you're going? Um, is, I guess, $3,000? Yes. Whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> you should have at least that, that amount of money inside of your business bank account uh, as a rule of thumb. Would you agree? Is that kind of what you were saying? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a, a good example, think of it, and I don't know how much this actually happens on Etsy, but on Amazon, people's accounts get suspended. Um, it happens so, on Etsy, for sure. It happens right. on Etsy. So, yep. so, let, so if your account gets suspended, is it like business game over? Or do you have money in the bank to cover your expenses for one month, two months as you work it out mm -hmm. with them and get your account back? So, and, and stuff like that could just ends up popping up in business. So it's just a safety net. Totally. It just makes you feel good because you can make better decisions when you have some cash. Like you just make better decisions, right? Like right. you're not making like month to month decisions. You can actually start thinking about, hey, what do we want to do in the next 12 months? You know, what do we want to do for the next two years? Right. Because you're not worried about living paycheck to paycheck and paying the electric bill tomorrow, you know? hundred percent. I love it, man. Um, beautiful. Where can people find you? Uh, yeah, connect with me on LinkedIn, Nathan Hirsch. Uh, you can go to Outsource School, uh, use coupon Upscale30. You can save 30% there or go to econbalance.com, mention this podcast and you get two free months of bookkeeping. I love it, man. Thank you for that. And I, what I'll do, um, guys, is I'll link to all of Nathan's links, you know, in, in the depending where you're watching this on YouTube in the description below or, or in the show notes for the podcast. Um, Nathan, anything else you want to add, man, to anybody else, like the aspiring entrepreneur, you've been there, done that. Like what, what, what are some big takeaways that you want to leave somebody with? Um, we kind of talked about minimum viable product. That's something that I believe in. Um, I'm a big proponent of consistency, uh, doing small things every single day. And I mean, with, with a lot of people here launching a product, you got to figure out where your ideal audience hangs out. Like if you're, if you're selling, uh, let's say a glass for bartending, like where are, where do your drinkers hang out? What influencers are in the drinking community? What blogs are they reading? What YouTube videos are they watching? And I'm trying to partner with all those people. I'm trying to do content with all those people. I'm trying to get all those people to promote me and I'll probably get rejected a hundred times, but I'm consistently reaching out to those communities and trying to get in front of them to form those relationships and, and grow an audience of my core customer. I love it, man. Amazing. Well, Nathan, thank you so much, man, for coming on. Seriously appreciate the value that you just gave to all of our audience and all of our listeners and appreciate you being in the e-com game too and just giving value to everybody there. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Cool, man. Talk to you in a bit. See you.